Welcome to the Edutainer Podcast. My name is Erin Albert, and in this podcast, we explore the intersection of education and entertainment. Stay tuned for another great episode coming up next. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Albert. It is Monday, July 6th. Hope you all had a good holiday weekend if you're here in the States. If not, I hope you had a good weekend empirically. Wanted to give you a couple of updates before we move back to the podcast mini series on the art of finding a new or better job during a pandemic. Uh, this weekend, I had the opportunity to be granted a little bit of downtime myself. So I went ahead and updated a couple of trackers, actually reformatted one. Uh, number one, the pharmacist podcasters list. It was, there were so many of them, I could not get them all on one slide anymore. So, woohoo, that's a great thing. Uh, However, I needed to find a new format. So, I took a little bit of time this weekend and put together a list in a Google Sheet for everybody because pharmacists are doing amazing things inside podcasting. And I wanted to share that list and what a good problem to have them all falling off of a slide. So bottom line is that tracker is over at my LinkedIn page in my featured section. You can click on it. It's totally open. If you know of other podcasts that are produced and hosted by pharmacists and that follow the rules at the top of the the list there, Feel free to send me an email at farmllc at gmail.com and I'll get them added to the list. They don't need to necessarily be in the United States, but they do need to be by independent pharmacists as hosts. They need to be uh, on in Apple podcasts. So that's kind of the gold standard for podcasting. Uh, Several podcast platforms uh, syndicate over at Apple. So that's the benchmark I use. And then they have to have been podcasting within the last 60 days. I made a couple of grandfathering exceptions there because there's some folks that have been podcasting for a long time. However, uh, I did look at that and they're in red if they haven't podcasted recently. And we'll see if they fall off the list. I want to give people as many pharmacist options as possible out there, but I also am not a fan of abandoned podcasts. So... Anyway, take a look at that list if you need to beef up your own pharmacy podcasting listening pleasure. You can listen over there or check out that list and get your list beefed up. I know podcasting took a dip when we were first sheltering in place and now has skyrocketed. So with that, a lot of people have started podcasting independently as well. And if they've got that 60 days under their belt, then I'm happy to add them. Number two, I also took a gander at the pharmacy and pharma conventions and conferences list for 2020. Uh, This is actually a product that I normally sell, but this year, because conferences have been such a hot mess, I went ahead and updated the free list that I have going on where conferences are moving or if they've been canceled or if they're virtual. So that list too is on a Google Sheet and over at my LinkedIn profile in the featured section if you want to take a look at that. Generally, I guess it's mixed news right now. It looks like the majority of conferences in pharmacy, pharma, etc. through about October are going for the most part virtually 
only. Now, there are a couple of exceptions. There are a couple of sites in there with pretty major pharma conferences and annual meetings that haven't made a decision yet. But I went through October and took a took a gander at those. So go over and check those out. I don't know. I am personally of the ilk, I think, at this point that I am just canceling 2020 myself and attending as many virtual conferences as I possibly can. Of course, everyone has to make that individual decision up for him or herself. But for your consideration, if you're trying to plan ahead as well, that list is updated and over at LinkedIn. Now, we'll go back to step four of the podcast mini-series on the art of getting a new or better job during a pandemic. Hey, everybody, it's Aaron Albert. We are back with the mini-series on the art of finding a new or better job during a pandemic. I used these 10 steps recently in my own career journey and ended up on the other side in a much better place. So today we want to talk about step four. If you haven't heard the previous three steps, I am putting these out in a sequential order that I would highly recommend that you follow. Not probably a great idea to bounce around. But today's step four is emailing your network about your job status. And I originally did not do this out of the gate myself. I think it's important when you first lose your job to like feel all the feels that you need to feel. It's like grief or loss. You're going to go through 10, 12 different phases. You're going to be shocked. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to be angry. You're going to go through all of the phases whenever you're you know, grieving of something. And by the way, we've had some great grief episodes on the Edutainer podcast as well. So I'll be sure to link those up in this particular episode for the mini series. But I think you have to get through all of those feelings or most of those feelings before you reach out to your network. And what I'm going to propose here is a technique that I used with my own secure network. And what I mean by secure, I don't mean from an IT perspective. I mean those first degree connections that I have, I know, I like, I trust, and who might be able to help me on my own career journey. That is not blasting everybody that's on your email list. That is not emailing everybody you know in your email address book that is not blasting a notice on LinkedIn per se. It is taking a handful of people that you know, like, and trust and handing over to them some kind of rough ideas on what it is that you're looking for, who you're targeting, and what it is that you need in in your next career journey. So the email that you compose to your closer friends should be consistent with who you are, Um, If you know, like, and trust them, they already probably have a good sense of who you are and what you do professionally. But if not, you want to give them specific job titles that you're looking for and ideal companies. So let's say you work here in Indianapolis and you want to target three big pharma companies, Lilly, Roche, um, and a third. I don't know what that is off the top of my head. There's so many pharma companies here. I Can't come up with one off the top of my head, but let's say those are the three companies that you're targeting or you're targeting any three companies. You want to share that with your network as well. Do you know anyone at these top three companies that I could talk to? Just give them a heads up. 
um, that you might be coming after them for connections or introductions over at LinkedIn and try not to abuse that too much. Just give the caveat or the disclaimer that it's okay or you hope that it's okay to do those things during challenging times. And if these are people that know, like, and trust you, they will move mountains for you. And then close on your very brief email. Um, if you know anything or anyone looking right now that could use my skill set, please reply and I'd love to chat more with you or them. Thanks for having my back. And leaving it at that. Because statistically speaking, it's not your first degree connections necessarily that are going to get you that next great gig. It's actually your second degree connections. And that was actually true of me in my most recent switch as well. I had a first degree connection who I emailed in my original email. He or she knew my plight and they actually connected me to the current company where I work through a second degree connection. So second-degree connections can be very important in your uh, career journey because your first degrees might be a little too close to you. They might see you in one way. Maybe you work together a colleague as a colleague at a certain company, and they see you only in that capacity, whereas the second-degree connections are a little less connected to you personally, but maybe they're in great companies, and they know that connector between the two of you and you know, like, and trust each other, that will create a halo effect between you and that second degree connection. I think you could in this email provide a generic one page resume kind of highlighting some of your core skills based upon the specific job that you're looking for. But that could backfire as well. Because if you're a generalist, and you're looking at a lot of different ideas for a career, let's take, for example, project management. If you just show that one trick pony inside of your resume, you could be pigeonholing yourself with your tight network. So leave it up. I'll leave it up to your judgment as to whether or not you should include that general resume inside of your email to those you know, like, and trust. I actually don't believe that I sent a resume and I didn't do it for a lot of other reasons too. Like I am longer in my or more advanced in my career path. If I was somebody straight out of school and had a one page resume, I think that's one thing. But if you're an experienced professional with either 10, 15, 20 years or more behind your belt, it gets a little trickier because you have different skill sets that you can apply to a resume based upon the job description at hand. And we haven't gotten there yet, but I'm going to share with you techniques on how to create match needs cover letters and match needs resumes based upon those keywords that we talked about that are so important in step three. So there you go. Email your network. And even if you aren't super tight with a lot of people, you could email maybe your top 10 people. Um, email old professors if you just graduated that you were tight with. And these folks, you never know who they know. And so it's really important to stay connected, particularly right now with those who are in your network. And it's a little trickier right now, too, because we can't meet face to face. So email, even though it's old school, I'm still a fan of it. You can get a lot done through email. So second degree connections, sending out that email to people you know, like, and trust, feeling all the feels, and getting through steps one and three before you arrive here. There you go. There's a backwards path right there in summary.
So I'll be back soon with step five of the 10 steps for the art of getting a new or better job during a pandemic. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Art of Finding a New or Better Job During a Pandemic. My name is Erin Albert, and I'm host of the Edutainer podcast. If you could, please follow us over at Facebook at our own page. You can follow me personally at LinkedIn, on Twitter at Erin L. Albert, or Instagram at Erin Albert. Feel free to send me a message too. I would love to hear your feedback on this mini series and this process that I personally used recently to find my current awesome job during the pandemic. Last but not least, we would love and appreciate a feedback, a five-star rating if you can over at Apple and or wherever you listen to this podcast. Thanks so much and take care.